Okay, here we go then. The um, thing that I was talking about this morning when, when we finished worshipping and the Lord um, cracked me open again and then said, first on thee, I found. And it's, a, it's a, I don't know what you call it, I suppose it's like a poem. It's called Wait Thou Only Upon God. And before you ask, I will make you copies if you'd like it. My soul wait thou only upon God, that's Psalm 62, 5. A God which works for him that waits for him, Isaiah 64, 4. Wait only upon God, my soul be still, and let thy God unfold his perfect will. Thou fain wouldst follow him throughout this year, thou fain wouldst be a passive instrument, possessed by God, and ever spirit sent, upon his service sweet. Then be thou still, for only thus can he in thee fulfil his heart's desire. Oh, hinder not his hand from fashioning the vessel he has planned. Be silent unto God, and thou shalt know the quiet, holy calm he doth bestow on those who wait on him. So shalt thou bear his presence, and his life, and light, even when the night is darkest, and thine earthly days shall show his love and sound his glorious praise. And he will work with hand unfettered free his high and holy purposes through thee. This was the bit that the Lord spoke to me. First on thee must that hand of power be turned, till in his love's strong fire thy dross is burned, and thou come forth a vessel for thy Lord so frail and empty, Yet since he has poured into thine emptiness his life, his love, henceforth through thee the power of God shall move, and he will work for thee. Stand still and see the victories thy God will gain for thee. So silent, yet so irresistible, thy God shall do the thing impossible. O oh, question not henceforth what thou canst do, thou canst do naught. But he will carry through the work where human energy had failed, where all thy best endeavours had availed thee nothing. Then my soul wait and be still. Thy God shall work for thee his perfect will. If thou wilt take no less, his best shall be thy portion now and through eternity. It's absolutely amazing how it just ties completely in with everything that's being said. And Beatrice, I'm going to say young Beatrice, sent that to me a few years ago when uh, we first met one another. She sent me two things through and this was, this was one of them. And I think um, the other one is about what, a glor what glorious promises there are in the word of the Lord. And those who took to who... And those who to Jesus have gone for repose, he'll never, no, never, no, never desert to his foes. It's the last uh, stanza of it. Again, it's old hymns and things, but that is really lovely. It just speaks of everything, doesn't it? Just wait, learn to be silent, um, and let him burn that dross off so that he can fill you, uh, which is what we started with, wasn't it? Uh, Reese Howells. The Lord's servant was possessed by God. And as I say, you've got to have a goal in this life, and that's mine. I want to be possessed by him. So, 
battle for the soul making choices. What I want to look at now just briefly is something that is very important for us and that is that correction is not rejection. It's possible to be forgiven and yet remain unchanged and the Lord wants to do more than just forgive us. He wants to change us into the character of Jesus. Lord that sounds great just push the button and let it happen. It's not like that, as we looked at this morning. It's discipline, correction and chastisement, they come along the way. And if we're not willing to be changed by discipline and correction, the result is frustration, spiritual impotency and, to varying degrees, uselessness to the Lord and the Church. We need to embrace the changes that God is trying to make in our lives and run to Him, not away from Him. If we run away from him, we have a wrong concept of his love. It's all the while saying, come to me. I'm trying to deal with something here. So, temptations will come. What about temptation? Um, when I started this thing, this battle for the soul, I had about eight pages. And last night I looked at it and I thought, I don't think this is the stuff. So, I toddled off upstairs and God just... Gave me a whole different download. It's interesting, isn't it? So far from the battle ending at conversion to Christ, you are now realising that it begins here. And you will never know victory until you have been in the battle. Many people sing songs of the victory of Jesus, sing, study and preach about being victorious in Christ, but the reality is out of step with what they're saying. You don't know real victory until you've entered into the battle yourself. And I'm not talking now about spiritual warfare. I'm talking about your inner territory. So we've got to conquer that one, the foe within, before we start looking at the enemy. And as Graham says, you cannot take ground from the enemy if he's got ground in you. You can't cast out a Jezebel spirit if you've got a Jezebel spirit. Yes. <laughs> So regarding your inner territory, do not give up. When we move into new territory, the enemy resists. It's a bit like having a cat on your lap, you know, and you want to move. You want to get up and spend a penny or something, and immediately the claws go in, don't they? Uh, because he was all right all the while you were sitting there. Lovely saying someone used to say about when you've got a grudge. You nursed it, cursed it, rehearsed it, and sure enough it grew, you know. That's an aside. So it's rather like having a cat on your lap. When you move, it digs its claws in and it doesn't want to get off. Unless we make the right choices initially, it will be harder next time because he knows how long to push to get you to fall. So he, it, it, you must hang on in there resisting him because when he can find where you're likely to give in, he'll push you that bit harder the next time because he knows it's only a matter of time and if I keep the pressure up they'll go but remember beloved God is always redemptive if the enemy is contesting God is establishing we don't really resist sometimes and he knows it he knows when we're a pushover so uh, Chris Wren when she prophesied over me at um, Pilgrim Hall a few years ago she said you're a pushover you're too easy people can just 
push you know you don't stand behind what you're saying you, you're a pushover but God's changing that and I've, I've seen the difference how when he tells me something and I know I've got to go a certain way beloved that's the way I'm going because it's good for you <laughs> so open your mouth and take your medicine so God uses temptations and demonic opposition to strengthen us in the spirit he allows Satan to tempt us, though he himself tempts no one. That's James 1.13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God tempts no one. He uses human opposition to grow us in grace. So you can look around your life and see the grace growers. And you can, Graham says, bake three columns, doesn't he? He says, the grace growers name, and then what it is that they're doing that gets up your left nostril and what is the grace that God is growing in you because of the pressure from this person you know I can't stand it they go right my nose so sure sign God is actually doing something if someone's getting up our nose the brilliant thing is that either way we win we are condemned to victory if it's the enemy contesting, then God is establishing. If he's pushing us in a certain direction with people, then God is growing grace in us. As I said to you guys at the beginning of the year, ask the Lord what fruit of the Spirit is trying to grow in you this year, and all your tests will be around that. Mm. Um, so, I mean, for me, for years, the, the fruit he was growing was long-suffering. So, ev and I didn't realise it, all I knew was that that was what needed to be in every situation I was faced up with. I needed to be long-suffering. And if you want to learn that, join the body of Christ. Because <laughs> you'll find you will need that one. Uh, then there was patience, wasn't there? So everything got my rag going, didn't it? So just find out what it is is growing in your life. Then you know what your trials and temptations are about. Then you can cooperate and you can have the thumbs up all the time because you know this is growing something lovely in me. It grows the peaceable fruit of righteousness from those by those who are exercised thereby. If you're not exercised by it, you'll go round it again. I always say, don't let me go through this, Lord. Just let me grow through it. It's pointless going through a test if you don't grow through it. Because you'll go through it again and again <laughs> and again and again and again and again until you pop through the other end. But you can shorten your time because you can find out what it is. You can come into agreement and alignment with the Holy Spirit. Brilliant. The bumps are what we grow on. It's our choices in each situation that are so important. Graham says you can be made bitter or better, doesn't he? So the Lordship of Christ, who is on the throne of your life? We are created by God, for God, and for his purpose. And the battle for the soul begins around the right, question of rights, ownership, control, and personal will. Whose life is it anyway? This is a major issue the lordship of christ we are purchased possessions we've been the bride price has been paid as we looked at on saturday the blood of jesus was the price that god paid to purchase us as a bride for his son so the bride price has been paid we're betrothed 
We don't belong to ourselves anymore. We were bought at a price. But I find that is one of the things that is rarely taught, I think, uh, because it seems to be that God's there to meet our needs at the moment, uh, but there is this shift, this paradigm shift coming. So when we become Christian, the deeds of ownership are transferred. So if you look at it like buying and selling houses, anyone who owns a property knows about this transaction. Contracts are exchanged, and on a given date the house becomes yours. Then you usually set about changing everything in it, floor to ceiling. Ask uh, young Tim and Katie, they have stripped the place out, haven't they Joyce, top to bottom. Young Aaron, he was in the middle. They'd knocked the wall down between the toilet and the bathroom. There's like a radiator standing there attached to nothing. And Aaron's on his knees there because he was helping Tim. So I came up the stairs and he's kneeling down, grinning away at me. And I said, bless you, my son. I couldn't resist it. <laughs> they stripped the kitchen out. They've everything, everything. So you wouldn't be very happy if the previous owner left his tatty old furniture behind. You want your own. The Holy Spirit is exactly the same. He starts house clearance. He comes in, he looks at the three-piece suite and the clutter in uh, that which is your inner territory and he says, I don't like those and I'm not struck on the pictures on the wall, I'm going to get rid of them. So immediately the tussle begins. Oh, not those, they're my favourites. No, 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 no. And you'll always keep one room back that you don't allow him in. And of course, that's the very one that he wants to get in. So he starts a house clearance. He wants space. And to the extent that our house inside is cleared, he has room to move. So getting back here in a territory is all about displacement. Actually making room for him in there Saying, really, now when you come to think of it, it's a bit clapped out, that sofa. I think I'll let you turf it out, you know. And then he'll bring in the stuff that he wants, which is otherwise called uh, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 1 and 2. Oh dear. I'll be alright in a minute. Somebody pray for her while there while she's not looking. Oh, would you dry that up for her, Father? And whatever's got the feather up her nose, Father, would you just minister to her, Father, in Jesus' name? Does my sister need prayer? Do you remember Roger Price on that thing? There's this such a howling and screeching going on in the middle of one of his meetings and calmly from the podium he says, Does my sister need prayer? <laughs> It's very cut glass voice. Do my sister need prayer? Ah, so deeds of ownership are transferred. You need to remember that you're bought and you're paid for. You belong to God. You no longer belong to the enemy. That is where the battleground is. God places you in Christ and the enemy is after getting you out of that place and he will do anything to get you out. And when he's got you out, then he'll beat you rotten for being such a bad Christian and not being able to walk the walk and beat you up and you come into torment but God 
So for those of us who are in Christ, the deeds of ownership have been transferred. And that's the way it works in the whole area of healing and deliverance. New ownership. But you, if you are still in agreement with the old landlord, it's no good someone else serving an enforcement notice because he won't move. He says, they like this, so I'm staying. So if you come up against someone who is manifesting Jezebelic behaviour, you explain to them that their behaviour patterns are, not, are manipulative, controlling, whatever. And you say to them, you actually think, I think you've got a deliverance issue here. Unless they're prepared to come out of agreement with that behaviour, you can try to deliver until the cows come home. thing won't come out. Because they're in agreement with it. They like me here. I have come across this. Particularly with one person. She did not want... She liked the power that Jezebel gave her. And she was not about to let that thing go. So it, it is all to do with free will. So positionally, therefore, our life is in Christ. Which is Galatians 2.20, I believe. My life is now in the kingdom of God in Christ and it's on an utterly different basis from that that it was on before. It's no small thing, you know, to be born again. But if you're still in agreement with the old landlord, deliverance and victory will be impossible until you come out of agreement with him. The choice is always old nature on you. So the swiftest way to take the ground from under the enemy is to come out of agreement with your old behaviour patterns. Because uh Okay. So what I've got here is when you go into your old behaviour patterns, the most often the one you go into is actually withdrawal uh, you know the behaviour patterns are here and it all comes off of the fruit, the tree of rejection and it's bad fruit and it stinks so if you remember what I said about um, behaviour cycles show the guys around the back there you will end up um, when someone upsets you you get your incident, your perception your reaction and your behaviour your behaviour may be to isolate yourself or go hostile towards someone. Or just go passive. Just can't get at you at all. You might blow your stack. You might go off and seethe in bitterness and resentment. Or you might seek to control. Any of those reactions are behaviour patterns. That's growing off the old tree. So maybe you can see more clearly now, when you do that, you're covenanting with your old nature, which means you're covenanting with Satan. You're actually in agreement with him. But if you covenant with the Lord, what you get is joy, self-control, faithfulness, goodness, patience. Someone can tell me what I'm running through. Long-suffering, love, peace, kindness, fruit of the Spirit. Because you're actually in alignment with the Holy Spirit, and his fruit will come forth. You never bear fruit, he does through you. Mm -hmm. The branch does not bear fruit of itself, Jesus says. It grows on the vine. So people who say to me, oh, I've got kindness licked, I'm working on the joy now. 
total nonsense. Because you haven't got anything licked. The fruit of the Spirit is coming through in your life because as we have a look tomorrow, probably, about the abiding in the vine, uh, bringing forth fruit, and the branches don't do it on their own, and actually getting along with the other branches on the tree. That's <laughs> it's called relational maturity, getting on with the other branches. We may or may not go there, depending on what the Lord says. But it, it, as I say, that wasn't exactly what I wanted, but it helps you to show you what you're covenanting with, because to a greater or lesser extent, we've all got a rejection problem. It can, it's something that is handed down to us from the fall. When Adam was chucked out of the garden, that was one of the legacies he gave us. That uh, we got these little places that we go. Nurse, curse, rehearse, and sure enough it grows. So the choice is always good fruit, bad fruit. And as uh, Joyce Mayer would say, maybe it's your attitude that's stinking the place out. Um, she said, if you ever had left a lemon or anything like that in the fridge, mm -hmm. and you open the fridge door and you think, poor. She said, it happened to her once. This was how the Lord taught her. She opened the fridge door, poor, had the whole fridge out. Could not find what it was. Put it all back, still stinking. In the end, somewhere she found a, a mouldering lemon that was in there and stinking the place out. So when there's problems relationally, maybe I just throw this out. It may be your attitude that is stinking the place out. Maybe you actually change the um, spiritual temperature when you move into the room. You bring it with you. We've had someone recently that you could feel that, that what came in, the blackness that came in with them. Um, and it's actually a Jezebelic spirit, and it happened before with that other lady, didn't it? When she came into the house, the whole house got invaded by the darkness and, and uh, uh, the control, the manipulation that she carried with her. And again, recognised it again. I thought, cause a smell round here. <laughs> it's the same smell as I smelt before. I must tell you, the other one, though, is the funniest thing. One day, she actually came in, done up to the nines, eyelashes, big girl, heavy hips. I've got to demonstrate this. Sorry for those of you on, on the CD or not, as a place, maybe. She stood by the back of the setting and she said, don't you even get a cup of tea in this place anymore? Like that. <laughs> I mean, never had you seen her speak like that. Husband sitting there, Ahab to her Jezebel. She used to knock him about rotten. Ahab to her Jezebel. Absolutely, you saw it in action. Uh, as she went out of the door, I um, said to her, I love you, and she turned round and she nearly spat at me. <laughs> I hate you. I said, well, I love you, dear. I thought, not you, you what's it but I love the person <laughs> I've never really seen a Jezebel spirit dressed up to the nines like that before eyelashes the whole piece that's a great mouthful of lipstick and the whole thing absolutely incredible I thought if I ever needed to know this is one there we are anyway so that's all part and parcel of it isn't it uh, that was apropos of nothing at all but don't covenant with it you see she's still not free um, because she could not come out of agreement with that thing. 
I've dealt with somebody else who was into the martial arts very heavily. That one I've told you the story before, and uh, he was black belt this, that, and the next thing. I don't know, really high up in martial arts. So his son had become convicted that that was wrong. Um, so father came. He was a little fella. Uh, but he needed the power that the martial arts gave him to make himself feel something. I was talking to him in, in the counselling room and he was sitting alongside me. All of a sudden he jumped up, looked out the window. I said, where are you going? Oh, you don't know what it's just said to me. I said, well, probably throttler. He said, how did you know? I said, what do you think? <laughs> I said, you don't have to do it, <laughs> actually. You don't have to do it. Like the other day, I forget. Um, um, uh, no, don't do that one. Okay, just love me. Um, so, in the journey of faith we're on, God wants to teach us how to face, handle, and use for good every form of adversity. Adversity, adversity isn't an enemy, it's an opportunity. And, and we, we do actually live with adversity a lot of the time. Problems crop up. When we're here living in community like we do, issues arise and we have to be able to deal with them in a godly way. We can't um, hide them under the carpet, um, fly off the handle, we need to actually just have to bring them before God and ask him, what's his, what, how do we handle this? Because always, always remember that that person is the beloved of God. Mm. It is such a responsibility to be in leadership. Mm. Uh, Bob Mumford tells the story about this lady. Um, lovely, lovely lady, he said, I've told you guys this, you know this one. Lovely, lovely lady, but completely useless in the fellowship. He said, but she was lovely, I love her dearly, but useless. And so one day she comes to Bob and she said, Pastor, Pastor, the devil's after me, the devil's after me. Now, how did he put it? She, he said, I said, sweetie, there's not enough truth in you for a used demon <laughs> to be interested in. devil don't even know your address. <laughs> But the fact is, you see, he loved her. But sweetheart, you've got to see the truth like it is. That's not the devil. It's your old nature that you're fighting with. Devil's after me. A used demon. I thought, that's so funny. Enough truth in you, sweetie, for a used demon. Anyway, so we mostly live with the attitude, I'm a Christian, get me out of here. And you need to know that top of God's agenda is changing you. Not deliverance, but change from within. Sometimes all we do and is to establish our own immaturity and carnality in, in a situation. And your current situations are your training ground. This is where you learn how to get breakthrough. And you learn how to overcome, to worship and to practice the presence of God. Like I said that night at Northium. I had a choice. I can worship here. Or, I mean, the Lord must have brought that to me. It would not have been something that I would have thought of. I was just figuring out ways to get out of the way of this light. Uh, 
months but finally I decided and what happened was he delivered me from it I mean you've never seen it, the fire alarm going off and what's more only three people heard it, me, Matt, Jenny and someone else the rest of the house slept through it it's not the first time a fire alarm's gone off, that was right early on that was when God wanted a jumper knitted for one of his flock you heard the story, no I won't go there Sue knows about that one not to change you, not to, not to get us out of it. Not to get you out of it, yeah. Not to deliver you. Not, yeah. to, not, to, get you out, not to deliver you. It, it's not deliverance, but change within. That's why we need to know who's doing what to whom. I mean, the number of times I say this to you girls, who's, who's doing what to whom here? Is this God? Is this the devil? We do need to know what is going on in our lives and... and what he's trying to form in us at any one time and, and the, the fruit he is trying to grow in me this year is gentleness so everything that I come up against is going to test my reaction regarding how gentle I'm going to be yet how firm I'm going to be with whatever situation I happen to be in in relational conflicts the right choice is love always and that does not mean sloppy agape it really doesn't. It means you find out from God what is the loving reaction in this situation, not to take the person's head off at the neck, but what is the loving choice here? We'll have a look, maybe if we can, I don't know whether we have time this time, uh, to look at the difference and the eros hook that there is with us. Uh, human love is selfish I discovered that years ago when I realized what might happen if my beloved at the time whoever it was um, was it I love the something about I love the girl I'm with I'm when I'm with the girl I love I love the girl I'm with that's it well that one out when I'm with the girl I love I love the girl and the, the other part of that last night that Joyce told me the rest of it Kiss me goodnight, Sergeant Major. Tuck me in my little wooden bed. And then there's a bit more to that. And then it's Sergeant Major, be a mother to me. <laughs> I've forgotten that last line. Joyce has got it. Sergeant Major, be a mother to me. I thought, what? <laughs> it was an army song, wasn't it? Absolute hoot. Oh, I've lost myself now. There we are then. Relational, relational problems. I mean, all of it. When you look at the Ten Commandments, which we may or may not look at tomorrow, about five of them, no, four of them, are towards God, but the other six are towards others. Bob Mumford tells the story of, he says, he got to the stage once that he, all I want, he said, is to buy myself a couple of acres, get myself a shotgun and have a Bible under my arm. I'm fed up with people. <laughs> we do get to feel like that sometimes, but that's okay. God takes us through it. So in temptation, the right choice is righteousness, and that's why temptation is there, to cause you to choose rightly. In tension and difficulty, God is working peace. Many times things are painful. Understand the way that God works and how he uses one thing to produce something else. Graham Cook says the fruit of the Spirit always grows in the opposite soil. So if he's growing the fruit of kindness in you, you will find everybody will be unkind to you in order that you will respond in the opposite spirit and be kind to them. 
it's the total opposite of how we think. Yes, love. I was talking about Eros. I realised how selfish our love is, that if anything happened to my beloved, I would grieve because of what I had lost. It wouldn't be them I would be concerned about, but me. So you then begin to see, really, how self-centred we are, because, of course, Adam ate from the tree in the centre of the garden, which caused us to be self-referential, self-centred. It always is, how does this affect me? I am put out. How does that affect me? And when God is teaching us about koinonia, which is living in fellowship and community, the first thing you'll find is it puts you out. It puts you right out. Me, mine, 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 mine. We have this joke in this house. If I try to put my paw on something of Joyce, it's just like, mine, 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 mine. <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, oh dear, Joyce May at that time, when God, she woke up in the morning and she was praying or doing something, and she suddenly heard this sort, she said this little robot thing, and it was saying, what about me, what about me, what about me, what about me? <laughs> God was saying that's how it sounded. <laughs> oh, there's no easy way through it, is there? So behind every crisis is a heaven-sent opportunity to know God and walk with him. Learning to live in your spirit means you learn to live in a place of no distractions. doesn't mean things are not going on around you. What it means is they lose their power to make you lose your equilibrium. They lose the ability to knock you. I mean, we've got that little thing down here somewhere. That uh, little round thing there, Ruth, there, that's it. Yeah, that's a weeble. It wobbles. If you put it on the table, you show the girls. But it doesn't fall down. You can push it all you like. Oh, that's why you keep going on that weeble. Weebles wobble, dear, but they don't fall down. And we may wobble, but we don't fall down. It always writes itself. God was so good when I needed one of those. We had a lady who worked in a second-hand toy shop come along. I said, you don't get any worms we Oh, yes, dear, I'll get you one of those. Because <laughs> nice it's just nice. such a brilliant uh, visual aid. Mm -hmm. So the fruit of the Spirit grows in the opposite soil. And learning to live in your spirit means you live in a place of no distractions. The enemy wants you in the soul. As I said yesterday, it's his food dust because he can feed on it get his teeth into you in there he can he can gnaw away at you on the inside with his vicious teeth what did they say to you what do, what do you think about that gnawing away on the inside and your soul never feels like doing anything if your soul's anything like mine live in the spirit and your mind is renewed, and you learn to stand before God in the inner man of the spirit. And we're going to look very briefly. If you want these notes, I, it, I, and you're on email, I can ask June if she'll please, stick them down the down the pipe. Um, live in the spirit, and your mind is renewed. And you learn to stand before God in the inner man of the spirit. I want to 
just say that there's nothing wrong with your soul except that it's fallen and it needs renewing. He gave you your mind, your emotions and your will. And your will is the pivot so that your mind might be renewed and that you walk, you place your feet in a different place. It's such a place of peace. The pressures that come on me during the course of a day are quite incredible. Mm. I might be called upon to make some decisions about things. People are phoning me. They want wisdom. It's all happening. I'm trying to get my computer to work. That's thrown in for good measure. <laughs> I'm trying to prepare notes. and it's. But I'm learning under that pressure to be still, to be able to turn. And the pressure is there to make me stand still inside and the Lord said to me the other day, don't ever be rushed. There's something happening here, and there was a bit of pressure on me to do something, pull a rabbit out of a hat or something, and I just brought myself quietly to peace, and he said, don't ever be pushed. Just refer to me. Don't be pushed into that snap decision. Well, I'm learning. In the meanwhile, I'm making a few, you know. Like yesterday, a phone call came. lady had rung the day before. Could she come? And I'd said yes, not realising how many were going to turn up on Tuesday morning. Joyce then came upstairs with the phone. Lady's on the phone again. She's on her way. I feel inclined. I think she said, I feel inclined to ring her and say, you know, we can't do this thing. So I said, yep, better do that. In hindsight, I thought that was not an integrous decision. The day before, I'd said yes. She'd bought her ticket. I should have said yes. So... In order to make up the difference, I'm going to send her the CDs from yesterday with a note apologising. I made a bad decision, but I've not gone down the tubes about it because it was not integrous to say one thing one day and then change my mind the next. But I'm learning, and I'm not, I am not beating myself up about it, and I didn't spend more than two seconds thinking, Father, that was not the right thing to do there, I'm sorry. But it's all part of my training at the moment. And I'll get faster at making good decisions. Um, and I'll get faster at thinking, hang on just a minute, what's the background to this? You know, And then bring in, and in between everything yesterday, I got a long phone call from across the water with things that are happening over there. But I just thought, I'm able now to just take anything like that and just stick it over there until such times as I need to address it because <laughs> I, I can't address it right away. That's another thing. In, God has, has, has given me the ability to switch off from what's, like, say, happening here. If there was a sudden crisis and someone needed prayer, this would just be set aside. I'd get on with whatever needed to be done. It's a brilliant gift that he's given me. I might go into the counselling room with half a dozen things pressing here. I can switch off and be completely single-minded towards the person who's there and I, I see that as a gift um, because I could never do it when I was in business <laughs> so many balls in the air I didn't know where I was but it's a gift oh bless, bless you it's yes. still yes. doing it isn't it Right. Is it coming on? Yes. So, obedience now. We're just going to quickly look at obedience. Oh, that's a nasty word, isn't it? It's absolutely essential in living under the Lordship of Christ. 
living in the kingdom of God, obedience, if you love me, you will obey me. Jesus was obedient in everything and he achieved fulfilment to the plans and purposes of the Father all his life. So obedience is of paramount importance. Because of the obedience of Christ, your salvation has been secured. And broadly speaking, there are two types of obedience, general and specific. Uh, we looked this morning at the prophet, didn't we, who had a specific word not to do something. And we live generally in obedience to the word of God, that is the scriptures. We obey the Ten Commandments, that's general. And if anybody thinks the Ten Commandments are not in the New Testament, I would ask you to have a look at the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, and then have a look at how Paul expounds them and expands them through all the epistles. The whole things are an expansion of God's commandments to his people. Jesus said, I didn't come away, come to do away with the law. Not a jot or a tittle will pass. He came to fulfill it completely. And that does not mean that it doesn't apply to us, because we would be completely lawless if it didn't. So sometimes God speaks to us and requires specific obedience where we have the choice to respond or not respond to God's voice. And disobedience is the nature of the enemy. So immediately you're disobeying, you're coming off and coming into covenant with him. Obedience is the nature of God. He doesn't go against himself. The essential nature of disobedience is found in the rebellion of Satan. And uh, if you want to see that, we'll just perhaps have a look, quick look at it. Isaiah 14, 9 to 15. It's actually 12. Isaiah 14:12. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. You remember we looked at this when we looked at the first um, uh, Echoes from Eden, how actually even before the world was created, the fall had happened in, in heaven. Satan had fallen. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the Mount of Congregation. I will ascend. I will be like. Rebellion. Ezekiel 29, 12 to 17. If it isn't, I should make a little correction. 29. No, I think it's the wrong reference there I've got. No. Wrong reference. No, it's, 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 it's Isaiah and Ezekiel. I'll, I'll get you the right reference. That's the wrong one. No mind. So what you... And Luke 10, 18, hopefully that's the right reference. 
I don't know how I do that, you know. I get this completely skewed. <laughs> References, never mind. Luke. Most excellent Theophilus. Luke. 10, 18. And here we are then, the 70 return with joy, Luke uh, ten seventeen, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning. As we know, we've studied it, there were, th there were three falls of Satan, the third one yet to come. Um, uh, but it's written, he will. Uh, but his nature is dis disobedience. And you see in these the nature of rebellion. I will, I will, I will. He was a beautiful creature. Actually, in the Ezekiel reference, which I will get you, he talks about you walked upon the, 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 the fiery stones. You're an angelic being. Could you look it up for me, Joyce, while I'm thinking? It's, it's not 29. It's around about 24, something like that, I think. Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 29, somewhere around there. Um, I made a finger error. 28, is it? Thank you. Ezekiel 28, there we are. We have a mid-course correction. It'd be worth having a look at that. Then. I did this when I did the dates. I put one for Ezekiel 28. I always try to remember it, but it's twice the number of the one that's in, in Isaiah. It's very interesting when we came to look at, uh, in fact I didn't know until I started studying um, Echoes from Eden, the first uh, Baton meeting, that all this fallen stuff had taken place before God created the world. So the fall of Satan, the rebellion, predates his creating the world, which is a very interesting thing to have a look at. Ezekiel 28, 12 to 17. So he's talking about a person, but he's also talking about the he's talking about the king of Tyre, not the prince of Tyre, who is the person, and the king of Tyre is the power behind him. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Two gardens, three gardens of Eden. The Eden of God in the heavenlies. This is all in the first baton things. The Eden of God in the heavenlies, where Satan was perfect. The Eden on earth, where he trapped man, and the Eden that is yet to come at the end of Revelation. Funny how it all goes in threes, isn't it? Holy, 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 art thou, O Lord God. Holy Father, Holy Son, Holy, Holy Spirit. Get threes. My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? My God, the Father, God, the Holy Spirit, why have you forsaken me? little things if you're following what I'm saying mm -hmm. you were in Eden the garden of God every precious stone was your covering the sardius, topaz and diamond beryl, onyx and jasper sapphire, turquoise and emerald with gold the workmanship of your timbrels and pipes says the music was prepared for you on the day you were created you were the anointed cherub who covers he was like, uh, I think, I don't know someone says he was like Jesus' best man he was there doing all the stuff. 
I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. We'll have a look, if we can, tomorrow at trading. How we trade our inheritance for things. That's an interesting thing. You see, there's so much I've got here. To... <laughs> I'm never quite sure when to bring it in. Ah, trading. Anyway, there we are. So he traded his beauty uh, and he fell. He was a beautiful creature, angelic being, worship leader before the throne, and his temptation of Adam was to self-government. You decide what's good and bad, right and wrong. You don't need God to tell you. You can do it. That is why we have such a difficulty coming back under the authority of God, because we think we know what is right and what is wrong. We think we know what is right for us. I can make those decisions. He gave me common sense. Yeah, that's true, but it is common sense it's not divine sense and judgment so we don't like bringing ourselves under his government it's all a matter of well i've got a right no you haven't when jesus came he delivered us from the bondage to self-government and placed us back under his authority but we don't usually capitulate to this all at once bit by bit like the skin horse we give him the right to dominion all lack of faith is due to wanting what we want, when we want it, in the way we want it, and being disappointed when we don't get it. If there is any area where you have fear, that's a part of you which has not been given wholly over to the Lordship of Christ. Perfect love, love perfected in you, casts out fear. Keep yielding that area over to him and eventually there will be no fear. There is no fear in love. I know this works because there are areas of things that frighten me and I'm in fear about and the, uh, uh, the Lord says to me, give me your fear. I didn't know how to handle it and he said, give it to me. Tell me, you're frightened. Then I can do something about it. But what usually happens is we try to be brave but we can't do it on our own. And whilst we hang on to things and want to keep them under our control, we will fear God taking them away. Do you remember we talked about that earlier on in the week, our little precious bits? Whatever the issue, be it people, things, jobs, money, whilst we hold on to them, he is not Lord, and he isn't able to set us free from the dominion of self because we won't allow him to. Self-rule is when we think we know what's best for us, but we don't. I could tell you a little story there, and I will. Years ago, when I wanted a picture framed, it was a ridiculous thing I'd done. I did a pa Anybody who paints knows how daft. I couldn't wait. did a pastel drawing, a pastel and gouache on, on uh, a canvas. Now, anyone that knows a canvas is, is finished to... to to, to take paint not to take so any one blow on it and it would have all blown away so I wanted this thing framed and um, I felt the Lord was saying take it to Dartford and I sat him down and said to him there's no parking facilities at Dartford no good me taking it there because there's nowhere to park 
So I went to Maidstone. The picture itself is hanging on the wall <laughs> of uh, wind chime right now. It's in, in Telsa's bedroom. It cost me £84 to have it framed. I remember that well. A little bit later on, I was driving to Dartford, where the art shop was, and as I drived up the drived, drove up the side street uh, to park the car, I just happened to glance to my right and saw there was a way in to the back of the art shop with, you guessed it, parking spaces where I could have probably got the thing done an awful lot quicker, but I thought I knew better. And I sat the Lord down and I told him that I learned. I learned in the school of hard knocks. So much prayer is unanswered because of this. He won't give us what harms us. Jesus is our example and he prayed, Not my will, but thine be done. And Satan, instead of doing what he was created for, I've got to alter this, instead of dong, what he was created for, dong. As Lucifer, the bright and shining one, begins to rebel in his heart, just one step at a time, I will be God, I will, I will, I will. And the natural gifting that we pass on to our children is rebellion. There's something in the nature of man that reflects Satan rather than God. A Derek Prince puts it as the upward and the downward pull that we are created with a desire for God which pulls us upwards but also with a downward pull, which keeps us earthly. And so we have that same pull, up and down, spirit, soul. And if we don't fully understand this, we'll never realise the importance of the choices we need to make continually to live in the new and not the old. Love, teaching and discipline are needed to bring up children, not bribing and coaxing and being frightened to say no to them. The nature of rebellion is in all of us and the results of Satan's rebellion was that he was thrown out of heaven. Jesus saw this. The enemy was hurled from heaven to earth. He went from heaven to the earth. Jesus did not throw him out. The archangel Michael threw him out. God commanded and Michael was obedient and there was war in heaven. There's no contest between God and Satan. Uh, we saw this when we looked at some of the stuff that they all lost their position. It says it in Jude 6, where they were kept. When we were studying what happens when a person dies, we saw that they were held in Tartarus. When mankind fell, darkness fell in his heart. And to the extent that we don't live in the light, darkness still covers our minds. They are darkened. I remember walking from the kitchen into the lounge here one day and something had occurred in the kitchen and I came across into the hallway and I felt a darkness over my mind and I said to the Lord what happened between there and there and it, it was because I'd said something that was of my old nature it, and darkness mm. came over my mind instantly we actually don't know our mind is so dark until we start seeing in the light. Mm. It's absolutely incredible. And he uses these things with me to show me physically 
of course as soon as I asked forgiveness and probably went back and asked forgiveness for Joyce because I suspect she was involved in it the lightness came so to the extent that we don't live in the light darkness still covers our minds they are still darkened Paul says of the Gentiles their understanding is darkened and wherever there is darkness you will find the enemy living if there's darkness in our heart through sin as I've said before the enemy has a legal claim to inhabit that darkness because of rebellion and disobedience so every time we rebel or disobey God we give him a landing pad in our life he'll have rights he has a right to dwell people say how can a Christian have a demon easy darkness a Christian cannot be possessed because he or she is possessed by God but they can have a demon there's a young girlie that came to me and her father is still was and probably still is a medium uh, she had been into all manner of things spent her whole lifetime absolutely terrified because of what dad was involved in massive deliverance totally set free brilliant only one problem she loved Star Wars and I said don't go there darling because you know if you go into Satan's territory open you up get a packet don't go well unknown to me she decided that she and her husband would just go and see Star Wars came on the phone to me oh, she, I'm in a terrible state this and this and that and the next thing I said where have you been so she said uh, 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 I went to see Star Wars I said you know what's happened there don't you ducks <laughs> no I said well they've all come back again because you just open yourself straight up deliberately in the face of being told not to head like a funnel come in folks in they all come again it wasn't a difficult thing to get rid of because she sat out there on the sofa in the conservatory and she said you know Lord I'm ever so sorry I was really silly so I said right everybody out and the whole jolly lot went again but now she's much more careful um, she's the first one that God said to her. she went to a Chinese restaurant that's the way it started uh, and when she came home she was violently ill and she said to the Lord whatever was all that about because there's a strong prophetic calling on her life uh, and God is causing her to walk a very narrow way because that's what she's asked for she's asked for a lot you ask for a lot you get the training to go with it and he said you didn't ask me if you could go out for that meal um, I don't mind you going out for a meal but you're not to go there because the food is offered to idols so I thought huh interesting didn't uh, take it on board for myself because God had not spoken to us about it on the last battle we'd all decided we'd have a takeaway and we decided we'd have a Chinese takeaway which would be very nice wouldn't it and my a daily reading at that time I was a little bit behind I was in Acts and I, it suddenly caught my eye when they were in Jerusalem and they were sending to the Gentiles what they should and shouldn't do they were keeping it simple for them um, it was the issue about whether the Gentiles should be circumcised or not and they decided that they should tell them to abstain from food offered to idols abstain from blood um, sexual immorality and something else that I can't remember at the minute but it just jumped off the page at me food offered to idols so I thought must pray about that 
forgot about what it was I wanted to pray about. And after Joyce and I had done our praying, I said, Lord, please bring it back to me. I can't remember what it was I wanted to bring before you. I walked out of the kitchen and there on the, um, stuck by the wall, there was the happy walk or whatever it was called, the Chinese takeaway thing. Uh, that's what it was. So we went and we prayed about it and the Lord said, nope. You're not to go, you're not to have a Chinese takeaway because they do actually pray over the food to their gods. They, they offer it. But you can have waitrose or something like that that don't go through the same routine and rigmarole. So we had a lovely waitrose Chinese takeaway, didn't we? <sighs> so there you see, the, the, the way gets narrower as God takes you on. Um, st straight is the way and narrow that leads to eternal life. You cannot go the broad way. In this battle for the soul, in sanctification, there are th three areas. Our minds, our emotions and our wills. And uh, that's my soul. And they can be full of darkness and rebellion against God. And there's a process I need to embark on. I need to come closer to the presence of God through the cross so that this stuff might be purged out of me. What did it say on that? First on thee must that hand of power be turned, till in his love's strong fire thy dross is burned, and thou come forth, a vessel for thy Lord, so frail and empty, yet since he himself has poured into thine emptiness his love, and so on it goes. But first is the old thing that we have to, that room has to be made, is displacement. That stuff has to go so that he can fill us. And he won't fill us. He'll fill you to the extent that he can. But you can't have the fullness while there's still stuff in there because we're all working towards fullness, not measure, aren't we? We want fullness. So wherever there's sin, there's a demonic has a legal right. And wherever there is darkness, it's his realm. Uh, he can enter in and give us trouble. And that's the effect the enemy has on mankind. He's desperate to have dominion over your soul. He had it before, and so he's going to work to get it back again. When he can operate in and through human flesh, then he's got control of the planet, spiritually, naturally, and physically. I mean, he has got control. Dust, humankind will be your food, and on your belly shall you go. So man is his means through which he can have dominion over the face of the whole earth. But we are the redeemed of the Lord. We have a choice. I'm nearly finished. Satan deceives and distresses, depresses, disturbs, causes despair, and ultimately he will destroy you because everything he offers will turn to dust in your hands. He will use you and abuse you and he will chew you up and spit you out. He will deceive and entice, enslave, drive, compel and accuse. He covers everything with a candy coat but it's a cyanide pill. He said to Jesus, all you have to do is give me worship and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. He's always looking for a trade. When we live in rebellion, when we live in sin of any kind, we're worshipping the enemy. When we live in righteousness and holiness, we're worshipping God. 
So here it comes, Romans 12.2. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But it's not the only thing we have to do, and we're finished with this. This is your life verse. It's responsibilities towards God, actually. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now that's how you do it. Don't be enticed to love this present world. Determine in your heart you are going to win the battle for your soul and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Thank you all very much for your attentiveness.